All right, well, good morning again. It's so good to, to see all of you. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend. As uh, Pastor Brandon mentioned, we're continuing our series, CBC at the Movies. And today we're going to be looking at the movie King Richard. Now, the movie is based on the uh, real life story of, uh, I guess, soon to be former professional tennis players, uh, Venus and Serena Williams. And it's about their spectacular and unique journey from child prodigies to international superstars as predetermined, planned, and for the most part, perfectly executed by their father, Richard Williams, played by Will Smith. And what makes this story so remarkable, this movie so amazing, is that so much of it is true. It's based on Fact. So let's go ahead and watch the opening scene. I'll take that. Thank you. Where I grew up, Louisiana, City Grove, tennis was not a game people's played. We was too busy running from the clan. But here it is. When I'm interested in a thing, I learn it how it works, how the best peoples in the world do it. And that's what I did with tennis, with the girls. If you look at the biggest servers, Sampras, Lennon, Connors, you'll see the break of their wrist is like a smack, like a high five. That's what you're looking for when you hit it, that pop. All we need is a club for the training and clinics, the whole deal. There's everything the girls need to go from prodigy to pro. I wrote me a 78-page plan for their whole career before they was even born. Oh. <laughs> it was uh, 1977, I had watched this tennis match, and uh, I seen him get his girl, uh, Virginia Razif, $40,000 for four days' work. And since I knew I'd only made $52,000 all year, I knew I was in the wrong business. Went home that night, told the wife, we need to make two more kids. So that night, I wrote up the plan. One for Venus, one for Serena. All right. Uh, cover their whole tennis, cover their education, foreign languages, everything. And now that All plan's right, safe, it up. it's time for us to come see you to help turn them into champions. Now I know what you're thinking. This family is from the ghetto. How they gonna pay old me? Well, don't you worry about that. We're not here to rob you. We're here to make you rich. You ever think about basketball? Best of luck to you. Okay, you're making a mistake, but I'm gonna let you make it. <laughs> okay. Right. The pants look expensive. Oh, they are. If I had a dollar for every crazy parent that told me their kid would make it to number one, well, I'd be a rich man. You look pretty rich to me. Well, there you go. You need to open your stance up a little more. Your stance too close. So here we're introduced to uh, Richard Williams, and immediately we see his boldness, we see his ambition, and just the sheer audacity, and not only believing, but proclaiming, declaring, promising that his two daughters were on the path, a path that he created to become tennis superstars. And as he says in the opening scene, in case you missed it, and this is important, he says it was 1977, he's watching this tennis match on TV, and he sees a 25-year-old Romanian tennis player, Virginia Ruzici, 
win $40,000 for a four-day tournament. And immediately he thinks to himself, and he tells his wife that we need to have two more kids in order to capitalize on that lucrative industry. Soon after, he would put together a 78-page plan on how his daughters would develop from child prodigy to professional superstar. So in the next scene, we get a glimpse of the early phase of that plan. Let's watch. Come to a sleep or go to dream. Oh no, what's that? What's that? There you go. Keep that wrist like the smack. It's like with the pop on top. Throw it to the sky. Get this one over the fence. I like that. Yeah, that's it. There you go. First drill. Whoever hit that. One dollar. Yes. Yes, good power. Yes, there you go. There you go. Yes, ooh, watch out, Martina. Beat that racket head up. Oh, almost Venus Williams. Forehand. Yes, you keep that stance open. That's I'm going to come down there and tickle you. Very good, very good. Get to it, get to it, get to it. There you go. There you go. Wait for that ball. Go get it, go get it, yeah. Good death, good death there. Switch it back in. Don't get too excited. This is your game. Get it all the way up to that cotton picker. All the way up to the sky. Yes, Venus Williams. Come on in here. That's a very, very good day today. You did good work. Venus Williams, who is your best friend? You, Daddy. Serena Williams, who is your best friend? Venus. Then you. That's then you, after Venus. That is unbelievable. Okay. Give your daddy a kiss. Thank you. Y'all go ahead and uh, uh, pick the balls and everything up. As the uh, quote on the poster says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So here we get a glimpse into Richard's creativity, his uniqueness, his unapologetic discipline and diligence in carrying out his plan for the girls. And one component to Richard's plan early on was to live and train in Compton, California. Now, contrary to what a lot of people assumed, it wasn't a financial decision. It wasn't because they couldn't afford a nicer area, but it was strictly a tennis decision, believing that living and training in a place like Compton would better prepare them for the challenges ahead. 
As Richard would later write in his memoir, the ghetto will make you rough, it'll make you tough, it'll make you strong. And one aspect that the movie highlights that this scene begins to introduce is the frequent altercations and violence that Richard would encounter with the local gangs in order to protect and defend his daughters. That his plan required a level of sacrifice. Yet as difficult and as painful as it might have been, it was all part of Richard's plan in shaping and developing his girls, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. And this leads to an obvious question this morning, is what kind of plan do we have for our lives? Maybe we don't have it written out on some 78-page document, but I think it's safe to assume that we all have some kind of plan for our lives, plan for maybe our kids, our loved ones, those we care for, some kind of hope, some kind of goal of what we're striving to accomplish or attain. Maybe it's not as grand or ambitious as Richard's plan for his girls, but we all have some kind of direction some kind of desire, and an idea of how we are going to attain it, to achieve some level of, of comfort, some level of happiness, joy, security, success. Maybe if we're still in the, the early years of our life, that plan includes things like education, career, relationships, investments. Maybe if we're more mature in the latter years of our life. That plan includes things like spending time with family and friends, enjoying things like travel and leisure, thinking about our health, our safety. When the next phase of Richard's plan, Richard eventually finds a professional coach for his daughter, someone who's more proven, more seasoned. And he's able to convince a coach by the name of Paul Cohen, who was also the coach of stars John McEnroe and Pete Sampras at the time. So in this next scene, we'll see Venus training with Paul while Serena continues to train at home. Let's watch. Go. That's it. Back. Center. And back. What you're going through is the Paul Cohen first strike strategic tennis system. It's going to turn you into a killer. You're going to learn to think about this tennis court as a chessboard made up of 228 shots you will learn to perfect them all. Did I say stop? Go, 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 again. Center. Come on, up, 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 explode. Side. Up, 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 back. Side, 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 side. I need you to be faster, Serena. 24. 25, oh, halfway there, come on. 26. Come on, back to the middle each time. Let's get 50. Make sure you keep that stance open. Please, Richard. Yo, blame your dad. Wait, 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 stop. Stop, what are you doing? This is it. What? That's it. Let me see a little bit more pronation on that wrist right at the end. You just focus right here. You know exactly what you're doing. If you're going to be the best, you can do it. You know why? Because you're a killing machine. You're a goddamn attack dog. So bite. Talk a little louder, Paul. Can't hear you. That wasn't for you, Richard. I'm trying to record, though, Paul. 
can interview me later. Yes. There you go. Yes. That's what the pronation gets you right there. Really? One second. You just got a little closed up that time. You're doing real good. You just got to keep that stance open. You plant that right foot. What are you doing, Richard? That's how you get a little closed Richard, up. Richard, what are you doing? I'm talking to my daughter. Something wrong with that? No, nothing wrong with that. Except you want me to fix her stance, and I can't do that if you keep telling her to hit open. Well, Paul, ain't no reason to fix something that's not broke. Okay? You've been hollering at the girl all day long to get back to the middle. Get back to the middle. That's all I hear you saying. Yeah, you instructed her to close her stance. That's right. How's she supposed to get back to the middle with her stance all closed up? Okay, if she stay open, she can plant that foot, more power, more speed. No, that's how she get that back to the middle. that is not how you get power. You want power in your stroke. You square your shoulders, you close your stance, hold your head right at contact and blast through it. You do not hit open stance, okay? Yep. Can we please get back to it? But just keep your mind open, Paul. You know, just in case you're not the smartest Richard, person in really the whole world. Richard, it would be really helpful if we could actually hit a few, because okay, I got yeah, about you can 18 hit minutes left, and I'd like to finish this practice. It just don't make no sense what you're saying, Paul. If she keep her stance closed, feet are jumbled up, Richard, she's Richard, not going to be able to get back. I'll get my lesson from you when we're done, OK? But right now, I'd like to focus okay, on Okay, yeah, minutes. I keep forgetting. You know everything. 17 minutes I now. I keep forgetting that. That's it. OK, just as long as she hits some open. Keep that stance now open, recover, Junior. Recover, recover. Get around it. Get around it. I want a forehand. I want a forehand. Get back to center. There you go. Here we see a glimpse of Richard's stubbornness when it comes to his plan, his strategy, his methods, his way of developing his girls, even if it's directly contrary to the best people in the industry, of all who were proven and experienced and accomplished, Richard sticks to his plan. Well, eventually the girls take their next step in their development, and that is to compete in the junior division tournaments, uh, beginning with Venus first, and eventually later with Serena. Let's watch. Yes, I'm excited. Okay. Morning, morning. Okay, they're just not used to seeing good-looking peoples like us. You don't worry about them, let them worry about you, Venus. Oh, this is it, this is it right here. Just stay, sit there, sit there. Have fun, love you. All right. Okay, you just focus on that ball. Okay. You are Venus Williams. You gonna win Wimbledon. These girls ain't never gonna wanna see your name in they draw. Okay? Okay, Daddy. You just going out there and you have fun. 
I know. I got this. All right. Okay. I love you. I love you. Best of three sets, tie breaks at six all. I'm covering three courts, so keep your own score and call your own lines. Good luck. Okay, up or down? Up, I guess, thanks. Down, you can serve. She knows who she is. We've done our job. Yeah, yeah. She'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Come on, V, you got this. Good luck, V. Come on, Venus. She's nervous. Take a step up. You just had some fun out there, Venus Williams. That's all this is about. Have some fun. Maybe she ought to take a few more steps up. Just get someplace safe. Don't move. <laughs> you are so freaking stupid! I'm talking to you. I am talking to you. Do you even want to be out there right now? Do you? Because the way that you just played, it's hard to believe that you do. Just watch this one. 
Come on, Venus. You got this, V. 30, 40. You can smile. That was good. No adversity. That's okay. You're missing it. You're not gonna hear everything with that ball. having tremendous success in the junior division. She would go on to have a record of 63-0. Eventually, Serena would join in as well and have similar success, finishing with a record of 46-3. Yet as the scene begins to introduce, Richard begins to notice that something just isn't quite right with the youth junior tennis division. Right? He begins to notice the attitudes and the behaviors of, of these young athletes, and perhaps even worse, uh, their parents. And if you've been around youth sports, you know exactly what we're talking about. Right? And he begins to worry about the potential dangers and the consequences of putting young kids under so much pressure and stress. The need to win, the need to perform, the need to succeed. Well, eventually, Richard would find a different coach for the girls, and his name would be Rick Macy, uh, played by John Bernthal. And Rick, at the time, was also the coach of rising superstar Jennifer Capriotti, amongst many others. And Rick was so confident that he could take Venus and Serena to the next level that he agrees to not only bring the girls out to his immaculate training facility in Florida free of charge, but to relocate the entire Williams family as well, providing for housing, providing jobs. Yet unbeknownst to him, Richard had plans of his own. So let's watch. Welcome to the Sunshine State. Gosh, it's great to see you guys. Huh? How was the trip? Was it good? Yeah, it was long. Long, yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> it wasn't long. It was not Richard, long. you see that blue bad boy right there? Mm -hmm. I call it the Comet. I like to ride around, makes me feel like I own the place, which is crazy because, you know, I kind of do. Now, girls, these are That's the drilling courts. That's Tommy Ho. He won the U.S. Junior Nationals at 15. He's top 50 in the country. It's Eric Tano. It's John Roddick. They're both top five in the country right now for their age group. Now, John, he's got a yeah, little brother. Good. His name's Andy. That kid is a savage. He breathes fire. He's good. Wait till I get my hands on him. This is it right here. Let's go. Dig, 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 dig. Feet. You hear that sound? That sound is effort. I love effort. That's my happy place. Come with me. This is where we eat. Hey, guys, don't eat too many of these things, right? This will give you horns. 
best French fries in Florida. Now look, this place will always be open and available to you guys. You help yourselves whatever you want. All right, good, because I'm hungry. For real, we just ate. <laughs> you got some place here, Rick. You know what, it just got a lot better today. <laughs> Come on, Richard, let's go. Look at him walking Try the uh, cinnamon rolls, they're first class. What you got over there? That's the, the chum. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got a good eye, Richard. Mm -hmm. You know how it works. Need a few cheeseburgers to pay for the sirloin. To sell enough sirloin and get to the filet mignon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> here we are, girls. This is Mecca. These two courts here, they're yours. Just you and me and the best pros we got. This is where we hit the horn, we pop the corn, and when we pop it, we pop with extra butter, right? right. Huh, you feel me? Yep. Yeah? Bang. Bang. Right? Bang. Bang. Now look, I got a little surprise for you. This this won't happen every day, but since she's here, I thought maybe you'd, you'd want to hit a little bit. Jennifer! Oh, look. That's Jennifer Capriati. Hey. I hear you guys can play. You want to hit? Yeah. Yeah. Can we? Oh, yeah. Just take it easy on it, though. Let's go, we Have fun, girls. This is really special. Have fun. This is special for her, too. I told her all about the girls, and she wanted to meet Venus, so yeah. yeah you know how to throw a party. <laughs> well, it's good you guys are here. Nice to meet you. Hey, girls. All right, girls, let's go. Warm up slow. Just have fun. Yeah. It's got to be special for her, huh? Yeah. She like looks strong. She is. She is. Yeah. A lot of work she's put in. Mm -hmm. She's going to get there. Mm -hmm. V's going to get there. That's it. Atta girl. Good. I like it. I mean, look at that. That's that's the model right there. Now, I figured we mold her in Jennifer's path. We start with the Easter Bowl, then the Orange Bowl, just like how Jennifer did it, right? They're good tournaments. They're challenging. I'm thinking we're not going to play the Easter Bowl, though, Rick. OK, well, you, you got another tournament in mind. No, uh, oh, I meant to tell you, uh, we're not playing no more juniors. Yeah, they're, they're, they'll play matches again when they turn pro. Okay. And when exactly is that going to be, Richard? When I say they're ready. We're not going to rush this, Rick. Everything going good. We're not going to stop rushing now. What are they going to do, Richard? What, you, they going to play ping pong? No, no. They're going to practice with you. They're going to go to school. They're going to go to the hall. And pretty much they're going to be kids. That's what I want. They're going to be, be, be kids. But Richard, that's, that, that is not how it works. I, I, I can't do that. I can't motor like that. You need to play juniors. Look, you, there's not a single player, not one, on the pro tour that didn't play juniors. Without juniors, it's impossible. We're, not for you. Not for you. You, Rick Macy. That's why we drove all this way. Nothing is impossible for Rick Macy. But if you think you can't do it, we, we can go talk to Nick. You know, you might have mentioned this in Compton. I probably could have, but then you wouldn't have made the best decision you ever made in your life. This is great, Rick. Oh, and I need them hitting open stance strokes. Ah, That's yeah. one of the things. That's the most important. They got to hit them open stance strokes. We're going to make it go boom, like you said, remember? Make it go boom. Yeah, I, I said bang, but yeah. You said bang, boom. We're going to make make some noise. I got to get the family. They need to see this. I'm going to grab a burger. You want something? Nah, I don't want a burger. Don't be scared, Rick. I wrote the plan. Oh, God, the plan. So Richard gets Rick to move the entire family out to Florida, but forgets to mention that the girls will no longer be competing in the junior division. 
Rather, they'll simply train and just focus on being kids, going to school, growing, maturing, learning how the world works, and just having fun, which was exactly not how the tennis world worked. Prevailing wisdom at the time, which had led to proven results over and over and over, was that you needed to play juniors in order to go pro. Right? Logic was that you needed to compete against the best in order to prepare for competing against the best. Yet Richard disagrees, and he stubbornly chooses his plan over everyone else's, despite what everyone else said. Well, eventually three years go by, and Venus, amongst others, begins to feel frustrated with Richard's plan and his control over their lives. Although she's only 14, Venus wants to compete. She wants to turn professional, win or lose, succeed or fail. However, Richard adamantly opposes, says she's not ready and refuses to even consider. And this leads to a, a difficult but powerful conversation between Richard and his wife, Brandy. Let's watch our final scene. Are you going after her? Uh, she'll be fine. No, she won't. Go fix this. So I put this whole thing together. And not everybody seemed to know better than me. Richard. Do you think you did this by yourself? From the first day we met. Remember that, out on that bus stop? You didn't even tell me your real name. Because you thought I was just another dumb. You just like them white boys. You never believed in none of this. When did I not believe? I want you to tell me, when did I not believe? You're not the only dreamer in this family. Wouldn't be no dream if it wasn't for me. I carried them inside me and on my back. And I carried you, too. Working two shifts so I could put food on your table. That open stance, you got that from me. Oh, you did that? Oh, okay. And I fixed Serena serve because you messed that up. You did what? Yes, I fixed that toss because you messed it up. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I've been here dreaming and believing just like you. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to see me. So, uh, what you want? What you want? You, you want thank you? <laughs> That's all right, Richard. That's all right. I don't need your thank you. Unlike you, I don't need the world to tell me I'm great. See how you do? You see what you just did? Come how on. you walk away when something's not Come finished? You, you just, did you just see that? You see that? That's what you do. That's what you do with, you, with, 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 with all your businesses. Remember the, the, the cement company business, mm -hmm. the, the cleaning company business, all your other kids. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. You sound like you got something you need to get off your chest. Don't let God stop you. Say what you need to say. Oh, I said it. 
Your son showing up in that red Nissan truck knocking on my door. And all you had to say was, oh, look, it's my son. He found me. And then all your other kids showing up after that. See, another woman would have left. But I stayed because I don't quit. You, you're the one who leaves. Well, go ahead then. Go ahead, don't, I'm don't. I'm gonna stay right here until the job is done. Don't stay here doing me no favor. Richard, you think I'm staying here because of you? I stay here because of my girls. I stay here because I answer to something higher than Richard Williams, and you better be glad. Because if I was staying here for you, I would have been gone a long time ago. Look at this house. I'm looking. Look where you I'm live. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm Where looking. would you live if it wasn't for me? Where would you be? Stuck in some apartment with three kids and no daddy. That's where you would be. Listen, Neil, that's your ego and your bragging. You're just scared. You're just scared. Scared you will fail. Scared that the world will look at you and see another dumb. And you know what? You think they might be right. I have never, never thought that about you. You've done your job. And whether you want to see it or not, I've done mine. But this is Venus's life. You gotta let her decide. Because if you don't trust her to do that, she's gonna be the one leaving you. So eventually, Richard would relent, and he would allow Venus to turn professional at the age of 14. And the rest was history. This is one of those movies where we don't need to watch the final scene because we know how the story plays out. Both Venus and Serena would go on to become two of the best tennis players to have ever played the sport. Venus would go on to have 49 career titles, five, seven Grand Slams, five Wimbledons, two U.S. Opens. Serena would go on to win 73 career titles, 23 Grand Slams, including seven Wimbledons. In addition, they'd partner together playing doubles, and they'd go on to, to win 14 major titles in the doubles division. Venus would amass a total of $42 million in prize money, attaining a net worth of $95 million. Serena would amass $94 million in prize money, reaching a net worth of up to $250 million. And all of this just as planned, perhaps better than planned, by Richard Williams. Yet the question that the movie touches upon, that we see in this scene, the question that many people have pondered throughout the years, the question that we're forced to wrestle with is, what was Richard's ultimate motive behind his plan? 
Was it the well-being of his girls, the well-being of their family? Was it their success, their happiness, their joy, or, or was it money? Was it greed? Was it pride? Was it ego? Was it fear? Was it the need to prove himself, to establish a name and identity for himself? Was it a combination of some of those things, a combination of all of those things? Right, and that brings us back to the original question that I posed this morning of what is our plan? What is your plan for the remainder of your life? What do we hope to achieve? What do we hope to attain? Yet perhaps the more important question, the question that the movie asks, is what is our ultimate motive? Right? Why do we want the things that we want? Why do we not want the things that we, we don't want? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we choose not to do the things that we don't do? And the challenge for us, which is quite daunting, is the fact that the Bible says that it's impossible for us on our own accord to actually know our motives. That we are so broken, that we are so sinful, that with our own strengths, with our own abilities, we're unable to truly examine our motives and to know the why between what we want and what we do. Proverbs 21.2 says, A person may think their own ways are right. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Right? We may think we have the best motives. We may think we're doing things for the right reason. But at the end of the day, only God truly knows our heart. Only God is able to examine our motives and weigh our motives. And what Scripture tells us in other places is that when it comes to our actions, when it comes to our motives, it's the heart that truly matters before God. That what matters to God is our motive. It's the why behind what we want and what we do. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. And that's quite the challenge, to guard our heart, to ensure that our motives are, are healthy, that our motives are pure, that our motives are good, when it's impossible for us on our own accord to actually know what our motives are. And thus, in order to know our motives, in order to guard our heart, that requires us inviting God to speak into our motives requires that we invite God to show us the condition of our hearts, for God to reveal to us why we ultimately do what we do. It requires us coming before God and asking God, God, why do I want the things I want? Why do I not want the things I don't want? Why do I do the things I do? And the challenge is to ask in such a way that we are willing to wait for him to speak. Willing, for him to, willing to wait for him to, to show us the motives of our heart. And not only waiting for him to speak, but willing to respond, to accept, to embrace whatever he may say. And on one hand, that's daunting 
because that's being very vulnerable before God, before others. But we can find hope, we can find comfort, we can find freedom in knowing that God also has a plan for us. And his motives are pure and good. His motives are loving and perfect. Yes, his plan for our lives may be completely different, foolish in the eyes of the world. It may oppose what everyone else thinks or says. But it's a plan that he created before the beginning of time, a plan that he was willing to die for. In Jeremiah 29, 11, 13, we see God's heart in his words to the prophet Jeremiah. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Right? God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to bless you. Plans to give you joy, peace, comfort. But the way we'll discover that plan, the way we'll receive that plan, is by turning to him. Praying to him. Talking to him. Listening to him. Seeking him with our our hearts. And this is, in essence, discipleship. The essence of God inviting us to follow him. Right? It's giving God 24-7 access to our plans for our life. Inviting him to speak into any area of our plan. Inviting him to correct inviting him to modify, inviting him to change any part of our plan that is not in alignment with his plan for our life. Discipleship is, in essence, inviting God, allowing his plan to become our plan, allowing him to ultimately be the king over our life. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Will you pray with me?